Welcome to the Finding Freedom with Food podcast. I'm Cindy Fox, certified intuitive eating counselor, coach, and registered health professional. If you've spent years struggling with food and body image issues, and you're tired of having stress around food control your life, I'm here to help. Here on Finding Freedom with Food, I teach you how to step away from dieting, learn to trust yourself with food, and eat intuitively. Each week, I'll be dismantling unhealthy diet culture practices that are keeping you disconnected from your body's innate wisdom, and I'll be sharing my best tools, strategies, and mindset shifts to help you rebuild the peaceful, sustainable relationship with food in your body that you were born to have. In addition to this podcast, I'm always sharing free resources on my website, findingfreedomwithfood.com, and social. So find me at finding.freedom.with.food on Instagram and findingfreedomwithfood without the dots on other social platforms. Eating really can be effortless, pleasurable, and fun again. So if you're ready to get reacquainted with the intuitive eater inside of you, let's dive on in. Well, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom with Food. Now, before I dive into our topic, I want to see if any of these statements sound familiar or resonate with you. I can't eat that food because it's so bad for me. Or after this weekend, I'm going to start eating clean and I mean it this time. Or how about this one? I can't believe I allowed myself to eat that cookie. I blew it now, so I might as well keep eating and start over tomorrow. Or... I simply can't control myself around chocolate. I'm going to have to finish all the chocolate now so I can get it out of the house. Or some form of, I just can't be trusted around certain foods. Once I start, I just can't stop until it's gone. Well, today on the podcast, I'm unpacking the harmful impact that this type of all or nothing, black and white, binary thinking has on our relationship with food and our bodies. Now, when it comes to eating, Classifying food as good or bad often leads to restrictive rules and all-or-nothing diet mentality. And as you heard in some of the examples I just shared, an all-or-nothing diet mentality can really be a setup for failure, rebellion, and self-sabotage when it comes to eating. For so many, this leads to a cycle of yo-yo dieting of losing and regaining weight. Now, one of the most critical parts of rebuilding a healthy relationship with food in our bodies involves challenging this binary all-or-nothing thinking. So in this episode, I'm going to share how all-or-nothing thinking leads to extremes in how we behave, how it keeps us disconnected from our body leads to self-judgment and shame, and creates rebellion, and it limits flexibility, growth, and change. I'm also going to share five strategies to help you break free from all-or-nothing thinking patterns. So why is all-or-nothing thinking a problem? Well, this type of diet mentality thinking is a problem because it traps us in a cycle of restrictive dieting. Additionally, it does not allow for the flexibility needed to rebuild healthy, sustainable eating patterns. Now, all or nothing thinking is actually a cognitive distortion, and that can lead to believing in extremes without consideration for the gray areas. When it comes to all or nothing thinking, you either succeed or you fail. Things are black or they're white, and there's no room for middle ground. 
Now, dieting by nature trains our minds to think and believe in extremes. We either follow the diet completely without mistakes or we fail and fall off the wagon. And so often chronic dieters swing from one extreme to the other, alternating between strict diets and eating with abandon. Now, dieting also encourages disconnection from our bodies. If an eating protocol, program, or plan tells you what, when, and how much that you can eat, it's a diet. And let's face it, diets have no way of taking into consideration your unique body composition, your energy output on a given day, your metabolic rate, your hunger and fullness levels, or your food preferences. You may be craving a savory meal in the morning, but the plan that you're following dictates that you drink a protein shake, so you suck it up drink the shake, and then you move on feeling unsatisfied. Or maybe you wake up hungry, but the protocol you're following only allows you to eat between noon and 6 p.m. So you power through drinking black coffee in the hopes that it will minimize the growling in your belly until you can finally have a meal. Or maybe yesterday you had a long day of hiking and you've been hungrier today as a result, but you're out of calories or points, so you just drink water and go to bed feeling frustrated and hungry. Remember, your body is wired for survival and instinctively knows how to adjust its need for nourishment to remain in a state of homeostasis. Following diets that rely on restrictive rules and denying biological hunger signals will backfire. To your body, any kind of dieting or restrained eating feels like deprivation and starvation. When you restrict certain types of foods or you strictly limit the amount of food you're allowed to eat, your body gets the message that you're starving, so it switches into survival mode, and it starts to slow down your metabolism, it increases hunger and food cravings, and this is what leads to chaotic eating episodes. Now, all or nothing thinking also leads to self-judgment and shame. It's not at all surprising that anyone with a history of chronic dieting gets stuck in an all or nothing diet mindset. Diet culture is everywhere we turn and it has completely normalized this way of thinking. Every weight loss program plan or quote unquote lifestyle that claim to not be diets, but totally are diets, they come with a long list of food rules and are rooted in faulty all or nothing thinking that has proven over and over again to backfire in the long run. Now, the most common example of all or nothing thinking is labeling foods as good versus bad and thereby defining ourselves as good or bad based on our eating behaviors. For many of us, foods labeled as bad are powerful enough to ruin our day and cause feelings of guilt and shame. And when we think of foods as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, fattening or not fattening, clean or toxic, we fall into the trap of moralizing our food choices. This often translates into labeling ourselves as good or bad based on what we eat. How many times have you said or heard others say, I was so bad today or this weekend, I cheated, totally went off my diet. When we think this way, we're believing we need to either be all in or all out without any room for flexibility or moderation. Instead of viewing the diet as being unrealistic, we blame and shame ourselves for not having the stamina and the willpower to adhere to the restrictive rules. Now, for many people, guilt is considered a helpful tool for making behavioral changes. I've had many clients and even friends tell me that if they don't feel guilty or beat themselves up, they'll feel out of control and never make any positive behavioral changes. 
In reality, though, the opposite is true. While guilt may sometimes work in the short term, long term, it serves to further disconnect us from our bodies, and it doesn't help when it comes to making sustainable behavior changes. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in a minute, but food guilt leads to further stress and food restriction, which just starts the cycle of guilt, restriction, and body disconnection all over again. Now, all or nothing thinking also creates rebellion. And from a food and an eating perspective, food guilt really keeps us stuck in the deprivation binge pendulum, and it continues to perpetuate the diet cycle. So when you feel guilty after eating, you send your body and your mind the conscious or subconscious message that tomorrow I'm starting over and not going to do this again, which your body hears as, I better get food in now. And there are a couple different ways that this can show up. And I want to give you some examples. So one of my clients described herself as a chocoholic. And so she said that one of her weaknesses was chocolate and that the minute she had one bite, she couldn't stop eating it. And she would try to manage this by simply not allowing herself to eat it. However, despite her efforts to eliminate chocolate from her diet, it was not uncommon for her to actually consume entire bags of it. The moment she opened the bag, she kept eating until it was gone. And these chocolate binges, they were triggered by this self-imposed rule that I'm not allowed to eat chocolate. And it was also fueled by guilt. So each time she succumbed to her cravings and ate chocolate, she truly believed that this was the last time. And because she knew she would never allow herself to eat it again, she would consume large amounts as the last hurrah or what we like to refer to as the last supper farewell to chocolate. Then to compensate for the binge, what did she do? Of course, she restricted her food intake the following day, which only set her up for ravenous hunger and out of control eating at night. The all or nothing thinking and restrained eating that chronic dieters adhere to can also result in deprivation backlash and rebound eating. And this is where great effort is placed on following rules to the letter and avoiding the urge to eat foods that are deemed forbidden. Dieters who do this tend to evaluate their successes and failures regarding their eating in terms of the current day. So success requires getting through the day with no violations to the diet. However, when a rule is broken, for example, if calories or macros or points are exceeded or a forbidden food is eaten, it can trigger a what the hell effect episode of overeating. This was a recurring pattern for another client. Now on one diet, she had sworn off everything she considered bad. So she stopped putting cream in her coffee. She stopped putting dressing on her salad. She wasn't allowing herself to eat bread or pasta or cookies or other sweets. And after a particularly stressful work week, she was really craving some sugar. But when a coworker brought in birthday cake to celebrate a teammate's birthday, she forced herself to behave and ate veggies and hummus while others ate cake. However, later in the afternoon, all she could think about was how unsatisfying her lunch was, how tired she was feeling, and that she really could use a sugar boost. So she decided to allow herself to have a bite or two of cake. But guess what happened? After the first bite, she had the thought, well, I blew it now. I might as well keep eating since today is ruined as she reached for another slice of birthday cake and then another. So you can see that in both of these situations, the guilt following this diet transgression totally backfired and created the perfect setup for rebellion and a chaotic eating episode. 
Now, the good news is that we can overcome all or nothing thinking with time and with practice. And the first step to overcoming all or nothing eating and thinking is to start paying attention to raise your awareness to those binary black and white dichotomous thoughts that show up. So you want to ask yourself questions such as, do I have really rigid or restrictive rules around food and eating? And if so, really get a handle on what those are. You know, do I label foods as good food versus bad food? And what happens when I eat a food that I deem bad? And do I use terms like never or always or nothing frequently? Because these words can be a huge clue that you're in a all or nothing diet mentality cycle. Now, I recommend writing your answers down and reflecting on them. You're likely going to begin to recognize how these all or nothing diet mentality thoughts produce an uncompromising attitude that's going to keep you stuck and feeling unable to adapt. But gradually moving toward more flexible thinking is going to allow you to see a situation from different angles. And you can begin to challenge this way of thinking by finding some middle ground. And so that leads us to step two, which is looking for shades of gray. Now, in all or nothing black and white thinking, foods are good or bad and rules are followed or else they're broken. And as I've shared, the strict form of thinking is a perfect setup for failure and it leaves us with feelings of guilt and shame. Now, as you observe your thought patterns, start to challenge those black and white thoughts around food and move toward the gray space or really the areas in between the black and white. This is where you can explore your relationship with food and your body without judgment and recognize that all foods can fit into a healthy and sustainable lifestyle. Now, ultimately, exploring the gray middle ground can help you adopt eating patterns that are flexible and that are sustainable. In the previous examples I shared, some of the gray areas to explore could be things like reminding yourself that eating chocolate is not good or bad. Chocolate tastes good and it can be consumed in a way that actually feels good physically as well as emotionally. Now also consciously create a different and intentional experience when eating chocolate. Make a deliberate choice to allow yourself permission to eat a few pieces of chocolate. Then dial into the experience, eat slowly, stay present, savor the taste and the texture, and then make a note of how different this experience feels versus when you allow guilt to fuel a last supper eating episode. Now, I would encourage you to do this exercise to start discovering shades of gray when it comes to food. Think about a recurring scenario where you experience all or nothing thinking. What is the all in this scenario and what is the nothing? And then what are some other possibilities or some gray areas that you can explore the next time you're faced with this situation? All right, the third step. Stop labeling foods as good or bad. So it's time to start rewriting the narrative. And this step is really all about creating more neutral and balanced thoughts around food. It's important to remove good versus bad food labeling from your vocabulary. Some foods are more nutrient dense. Some are what we might consider to be play foods that are totally acceptable and have a place in a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Now, even more importantly, is to stop defining yourself as good or bad based on your food choices. The value of no longer labeling foods as good or bad is that it neutralizes the power that foods we consider bad will have over us. And when all foods are allowed, you'll be far less likely to restrict 
binge or feel out of control around those foods. Now, if the idea of allowing all foods triggers fear that it could result in unrestrained or binge eating, remember that this all or nothing thought pattern where you can either eat no chocolate or all the chocolate with no room for moderation is a faulty cognitive distortion. In general, the opposite is usually true. Once previously bad foods are allowed in your diet, you'll likely notice that your mind and your plate are much more balanced. Step four, and I talk about this a lot, is question your food rules. Now, who says that you can only eat pizza or burgers on the weekend? Or that eating after 6 p.m., even when you're hungry, will cause weight gain? These types of strict food rules are rooted in black and white thinking. So start focusing on giving yourself unconditional permission to eat the foods you enjoy without the harsh food rules. And be sure when you're eating them, slow down, eat mindfully, and really savor your food to really create a more pleasurable, satisfying eating experience. Now, the last step to overcoming all or nothing thinking and eating is to set small and achievable, sustainable goals when it comes to your health and eating patterns. You're far more likely to give up when health goals are difficult, daunting, and demanding. So for example, maybe you're working on eating less takeout and cooking more meals at home. An all or nothing goal might be to meal plan and prep for all meals and snacks for the entire week. That may not be realistic. So a more achievable goal could be prepping three meals and then having ingredients on hand for meals you can throw together in the spur of the moment for things like sandwiches or a quick pasta or even frozen pizza that you can doctor up with your favorite toppings. Really can be eye-opening to reflect on previous goals that you've set for yourself around food and eating. Think about it. What goals were you successful in achieving? And what goals were so big that they were really kind of impossible to achieve? And then think about what you might start doing instead when you're setting goals for yourself. Now, confronting and challenging all or nothing thinking may feel a bit daunting at first, but it's worth the time, energy, and effort. Doing so will help you build long-term healthy eating patterns as a result and will help you rebuild a healthy, balanced and sustainable relationship with food in your body. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you're taking away valuable nuggets that will help you on your journey toward food, freedom, and body trust. And until next time, make sure you're challenging those all or nothing diet mentality thoughts. And I encourage you to mindfully enjoy your favorite foods, but leave behind the sight of guilt and shame. Thank you so much for listening to the Finding Freedom with Food podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in this episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave the show a review and let me know what you want to hear more of. Leaving a review will also help others get inspiration, support, and resources to help them on their food freedom journey. If you found this episode helpful, share it on social media and don't forget to tag me at finding.freedom.with.food on Instagram and finding freedom with food without the dots on other social media platforms. And remember, you are not put on this earth to live life obsessed with what you eat and caught up in a never-ending battle with your body. So keep focusing on tuning out the diet culture voices and turning up the volume of your body's amazing intuition.